Not only does God's voice bring redemption and restoration, it also brings resurrection. This message is entitled, When God Calls. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. We wrapped up our Smart Living series last weekend. We'll start our prayer series next weekend. But I want to give you a message that was on my heart for this week. And the title of my message for today is, When God Calls. When God Calls. Calls. And I hope you'll listen uh, attentively to today's message. I believe that God has something to say to all of us through His Word today. And if you study the history of the telephone, it's quite fascinating. I think some of us have lived long enough that we've seen various iterations of the telephone. I, I do remember back to the days of the rotary dial. And if you remember the rotary dial, you had to dial it around. And then, of course, we thought we'd really hit a major miracle when we had touch tone, right? So you see these touch tone phones, and you press them, and you hear a little button, and it sends the, message, sends the phone call off. It was incredible. And then came cell phones. Do you remember the first cell phones? They were massive. I mean, you had to have three people to help you carry your cell phone around with you. And you had to use your whole trunk of your car for your battery uh, just to carry it around. But it was a technology and innovation, and innovation that occurred in the history of the telephone. Then we obviously got the answering machine. And do you remember the answering machine? There's little tapes that would have on the answering machine. Then ultimately it becomes the digital tape machine that you leave your message on. And then, of course, now we have with our smartphones, we have something called voicemail. And voicemail is quite sophisticated. You get a voicemail, and if, you, if your service is like mine, it translates it into a text message. And so I don't even have to check my voicemail because it's sending me a text message of what was on my voicemail. And so it's very sophisticated compared to where it used to be. But here's the challenge. When the phone rings, practically no one answers it anymore. Think about it. You have a phone, but how often do you really use your phone as a phone? Oh, it's a smart device, but really we don't do much of calling, and certainly not like we did in times past, because we're now exposed to something called spam calling. Have any, any of you been warned recently about your car warranty expiration? Okay. <laughs> You better be glad you got that notification. I mean, what would you have done without knowing that your car warranty was just about to expire? We get all these spam messages, and so we, we have the tendency just to shut it down and just say, send it to voicemail. Not going to listen to it. Not going to pay attention to my phone. But here's the problem. When it comes to the spiritual realm of life, we have to realize and understand something. God is always ringing your number. God is always calling you, and it's very important that when God rings your number, you recognize God's number when He's calling, and you answer the call, because God has a voice. God wants to speak with you. He longs to talk to you. He wants you to hear, and He wants you to take His call, and so many people are missing the call of God in their lives. We don't even bother sometimes to check our spiritual voicemail. We just sort of let it slip by us. There's a great story in the Old Testament that illustrates a young man who learned how to answer God's call. He was a young man. We don't know exactly what age he was, but you'll recognize his name. He becomes eventually one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. His name is Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see Samuel's exposure to the call of God, to the voice of God, and we learn some lessons from Samuel. Let me read you a portion of that story. We'll talk about it, and then we'll look at some lessons for our lives. The boy Samuel 
ministered before the Lord under Eli. Eli was the main priest during that time. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. By the way, this was in the area of the tabernacle of worship. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the ark of the Lord represents the ark of the covenant, which represented the presence of God in Israel. Then the Lord, say it with me. Then the Lord called Samuel. So God's ringing his number, okay? Samuel answered, here am I. And he ran to, not to God, but he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me, okay? So he's misread the number. He hasn't really identified who's calling him. Continuing on with the story. But Eli said, I, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called. Again, the Lord called. So he rings his number again. Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. The second time now, he's not understood where this call is coming from. He's misunderstanding the direction or the, the source of the call. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That means he had not yet entered into his prophetic ministry. He's still a young man. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went again to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Now, these, this is three times now. This has happened. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak Lord, not Eli, but speak Lord, for your servant is, is what? Is listening. This is a very important word we'll come back to later. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. He finally understands that it's God calling him. Let's talk about this passage just for a moment because we need to understand a little bit of the context, the historical context of this passage, its application in its day and its obvious application to you and me. The story takes place in a terrible time in, in Israel's spiritual history. They're a low, really low point. Eli, the priest, has kind of lost his spiritual edge. His sons, who were supposed to take over after him, had disobeyed God radically. In fact, Eli had never disciplined them for their disobedience. And so there's no potential leadership, spiritual leadership coming from, from Eli's family at all. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord was rare during those days, and there were not many visions. It means that not too many people were proclaiming the word. It was rare to hear a good message. It was rare to hear God's word in those days. In other words, God's voice had basically been shut down and shut out of society. Let me just digress for a moment. I think many of us could agree that in large measure, it seems as though the voice of God is being shut out of our society. Would you agree with me on that? We're hearing very little of God's word coming strongly to a nation that desperately needs it. But that's another story and another message for another day. But in the midst of this terrible situation, the Bible says that there was a lamp that was still burning. I read that a few moments ago. It was still burning in the tabernacle of worship. 
And that lamp was very important because it was part of the priest's responsibility that before they went to bed every night, they were to light a lamp in the tabernacle and to make sure that that lamp had enough oil to stay lit the entire night until sunrise the next morning because that light represented the fact that God, even though the world around was dark, God was still alive and light in the midst of darkness. And I want to remind you today that as dark as our world might seem to be, and it does seem to be very spiritually dark uh, many times, please remember God's light never goes out. Okay? God still has a light in the midst of the darkest times. No matter how dark our world gets and how difficult things become, the light of God will never go out because our worship, our commitment to God fuels the light of God amidst society and God's light is still burning. And in the midst of this environment, God speaks to Samuel. The Lord called Samuel. The Lord dialed, to use that analogy, Samuel's number. As we saw a moment ago, Samuel thought it was Eli three times. The fourth time, he finally understands that it is God. And in that moment, God speaks to Samuel about his future and the future of the nation of Israel. The question that I want to pose to us today is, what do we learn from this lesson? What do we learn from Samuel about God's voice to us? I'm going to share with you very quickly eight things today that we learn about the voice of God. When God calls you, what do you need to know about God ringing your number? Here's the first thing we must know is that God's voice must be heard. You'll never answer a call unless you hear the call. God is constantly speaking to you and to me. Right now, God is speaking to you and to me. The problem is we're not always listening. He's calling you in this moment, but it does not mean that you're hearing his call in this moment. God is always working to get our attention, and yet far too often he is actually ignored. We don't pay attention to his voice. Yes, God has a voice. That's why Jesus said this to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Whoever has ears, let him what? Hear. Now, it's not talking about physical ears here. It's talking about spiritual ears. That when you were born again, when you came into to faith in Jesus Christ, you were made a new creation in Christ. And the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Your spirit was born again. You were born into the kingdom of God. And so God lives inside of you. We talked about that, I believe, last weekend. God living in you. So you must understand that if God is living in you and the spirit of God is living in you, he has given you a set of spiritual ears, but it does not necessarily mean that you've learned to use those ears. Did you notice in the story of Samuel that three times he did not understand where the voice was coming from. He attributed it to Eli when actually it was from God. And the same can be true for us that we do not hear and understand God's voice in our lives. So that's why Jesus said, he, whoever has spiritual ears, use them, put them into good use, learn how to hear what God is saying. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of this also, as it has just been said today, if you do what? If you hear, that means you've got to put some energy into it, some attention to it. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion. He says, today God is speaking. Make sure your ears are open so that your heart does not become hard. 
Dear ones, I want to tell you today, there are a lot of voices that are trying to get your attention. The world is a loud place. And there are a lot of voices vying for your attention. There's a voice of the world around us. The news is always coming at us. And it's not good news. It's often and usually bad news. The voice of entertainment is coming your way. Listen to me. Pay attention to me. And the voice and the clutter of the voices of the world is always happening around us. The voice of our inner self is always at work. Do you ever talk to yourself? Of course you do. And when you talk to yourself, generally you don't always have good things to say to you. And so you're feeding into the bad news and the negativity by the voices in your own head. And many times, whether we realize it or not, there's an enemy called the devil, and he has a voice too. The devil likes to speak into our lives words that result in us walking away from God or destroying our lives in certain ways. And all of these voices are very loud, and they're very intimidating, and they're very demanding, and they're very confusing. And so if we're going to hear God's voice, we have to learn to tune out the voice of the world and to tune out the voice of our inner self, our own talk internally and the voice of the adversary we must tune to the voice of God because there is a voice that will cut through all of those other voices. And the voice that will cut through all of those other voices is the wonderful, sweet voice of God. It's generally not a loud voice. It is a small, still, small voice, a gentle voice that speaks to us. But you will only hear it if you listen. You will only hear it if you're tuned in to that voice. And when he speaks to you, wonderful things happen. Jesus described it in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me. That is, listen, pay attention. Let me be involved in your life. Come to me, Jesus says. All who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So the voice of God always produces rest. And that word rest means, in the Greek language, to be refreshed, okay? Can any of you use some refreshing in your life, okay? Jesus says, come to me. Come on, listen to me. Pay attention to what I want to do in your life. I'll prove this to you in just a moment. If you're weary and burdened, I will give you rest. I'll refresh you. I'll recreate you. Take my yoke upon you and, what's the next word here? Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. There's the word rest. Again, same word that was used earlier in the Greek language. For my yoke is easy and my burden is not heavy, it's light. Let me ask you a question. Can you learn without listening? I'm actually asking you the question. You can shake your head or no, yes. Can you learn without listening? You can't learn without listening, right? And so take my yoke and learn from me. Why do we need to learn from, from him? So we'll have what? Rest, okay? So his voice can cut through all the other voices and we can be at rest. Do you know that you can be at rest in the midst of a turmoil-filled world when you're listening to Jesus? You can be at rest. So my, vo my question is, are you listening? Are you listening and are you hearing God's voice today? It's that still, small, gentle voice of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we note from this story is that hearing God's voice is vital to your destiny and legacy. Say these two words with me, destiny and legacy. They're similar, but they also have unique applications to us. Your destiny is where you end up. It's your destination. Okay. In your life, you're going to end up somewhere. End up some kind of life. You will spend your life and you will have a destiny. 
And in fact, every day you have a destiny. You end up, you come to the end of your day, and the end of your day is how you use that day. There's a destination. And the same is true at the end of your life. You have a destiny that you come to. It's your end result. Samuel's destiny, what ended up happening with his life, was changed the day he heard God's voice. Was it not? Okay. Samuel didn't realize where his life was going. He was just serving in the, in the tabernacle with Eli. He had no idea what God wanted to do in his life. But that day when he heard God speak to him, he discovered God's plan for his life. He discovered what God wanted to do with him. Why? Because he heard the voice of God, and the voice of God pointed him to his destiny. I want to share and encourage you with these words this morning. There's a destiny of God for your life. Okay. There's an end result that God wants to accomplish with you. You're not, as we mentioned last weekend, you're not an accident on the planet here just sort of hanging around. No, God created you for a destiny. God created you for a purpose. And to find that destiny, you better be listening to your creator because it's only your creator's voice that can guide you to the destiny for which he created you. I'll give you another story in the New Testament about this. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, is Jesus, this is now Jesus and four men. Jesus was walking, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. So we've got two guys here at this point, Simon and Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. So Jesus spoke to them. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John. So we have Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus rang their number. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let me just mention their names again. Peter, Andrew, James and John. Are they somewhat familiar to you? You ever heard their names before? Why do you think you've heard their names before? Because they were part of the disciple team and they were apostles of the faith that we look up to now and are aware of and learn lessons from. Well, how did they get there? They heard Jesus calling him one day. Just because they heard it and they responded, they discovered a destiny. They were regular old fishermen. But Jesus said, no, come follow me. I created you for more than just fishing for fish. I created you to fish for people. And suddenly that day when they heard the call of Jesus, when they heard and picked up the phone when Jesus called, they discovered the destiny that God had for their lives. Dear one, God has a destiny for your life. And to discover that destiny, you're not going to find it by listening to the world You're not going to find it even by listening to yourself. And you certainly will never find it listening to the devil. But I promise you, you'll find your destiny when you tune in to the voice of God. But I gave you another word a moment ago. Not just destiny, but I also used the second word. That was legacy. Legacy is what you leave behind for others. Destiny is what you do with your life, where you achieve, where you accomplish with your life, what you become in your life. But legacy involves other people. What have you left behind when you're gone from here? 
So the question becomes not just what did I do with my life, what I'm here, but what did I create for other people coming behind me? I'm not just satisfied to have a good destiny. I want to also have a good legacy. How about you? Amen? Okay. Then I've left something behind that others coming after me benefit from the fact that actually I was on planet Earth. Okay. Because I was here, I did something that benefited them when they came along in their life. And so God not only has a destiny for you, he has a legacy for you. He wants you to leave something behind, a legacy of your faith that will not only follow in the generation after you, but perhaps generation after generation after generation. I don't know all of my family heritage, but I know my granddaddy's knew Jesus, and my daddy knew Jesus, and I know Jesus. My kids know Jesus. I'm trusting my, all my grandkids are going to follow Jesus. Jesus, and I'm trusting in my great-grandkids are going to follow Jesus. Why? Because that's a heritage of my family, okay? So it's a legacy that I want to leave behind. So not only is there a calling to have a destiny, but a calling to have a legacy. And Abraham, when he heard the voice of God, not only discovered his destiny, he also established a legacy. And that legacy is called the nation of Israel, okay? Abraham is the father of this nation. Take a look at this story. The Lord had said to Abraham, the Lord had said, he had called Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. That's a legacy. That's not just a destiny. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. That's not a destiny. That's a legacy. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What is that? That is a legacy. All people on earth will be blessed through you. What if Abraham had never heard God's voice? What if he'd never responded to the call of God in his life? How sad would that have been, the fact that not only he would have missed his destiny, but he would have also missed the establishment of a beautiful legacy. Let me move on here. Number three, God's voice always brings clarity. The voices of the world are very confusing. I promise you, if you spend all your time listening to the news and engaging in uh, worlds, the world's entertainment, you will be a highly confused individual. You flip one channel, they're saying one thing. You flip another channel, they're saying something else. And before long, you say, what is true? I don't even know what's true anymore. Are you there with me? Okay. I don't even know what's true anymore. Who's even telling the truth? I don't know who's telling the truth. Who can I believe anybody? I don't know who to believe anymore because everybody, one's saying this and somebody else is saying that. And I don't even know what the truth is anymore. I'm so confused. You ever felt that way? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Okay. But now does a world confuse you, you confuse yourself. Okay. You ever talked yourself into confusion? You had this conversation with yourself and you just messed yourself completely up, okay? Because all this stuff going on in your mind and you're thinking one thing here and another thing over there and before long you're confused and certainly the devil confuses you. All these voices. But I want you to know that when God's voice speaks in your life, it clarifies everything. It makes everything so clear. What was so confusing before is not confusing anymore. You can see Clearly, as the old song says, I can see clearly now, okay? I can see clearly now. Look at this statement. For God is not a God of disorder. Interestingly enough, this word disorder in the original Greek language is also translated confusion. God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but of peace. 
and in all the congregations, and as in, in all the congregations of the Lord's people. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you, you, all of us here who are followers of Jesus, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Have you noticed how light brings clarity? Ever gotten up in the middle of the night and just stumped your toe on about everything, every piece of furniture in your bedroom? Uh, Because it was dark, you were trying to walk around in the dark and you finally discovered the beautiful invention called a night light, okay? And this beautiful invention called a night light has saved your toes a million times, okay? Because just that little bit of light clarifies your vision enough to be able to see. When God speaks, everything clears up. Number four, God's word brings hope. See, the world's voices are going to leave you hopeless. You can talk yourself into hopelessness. The devil certainly is a a purveyor of, of hopelessness and despair. But hopelessness is never from God. God is not a God that gives hopelessness or imparts hopelessness or leaves you hopeless. Anytime God speaks, it always comes with hope because God is the God of hope and God's voice is a voice of hope for your life. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, as Paul prays this prayer, it is for you and me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with despair no overflow with hopelessness no overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit so when God speaks he comes in and everything clarifies and suddenly where you didn't have any hope now you have hope for your life and for your future And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah was called to a very challenging task. He was the one that had to prophesy that the the southern kingdom of Israel, this little tribe called Judah, because of their idolatry and disobedience, Jeremiah was given the responsibility of telling them, you're going to go into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. He's known as the weeping prophet Jeremiah is. Why? Because he lamented. The book of Lamentations is written by Jeremiah. Why? Because he was weeping over the fact that God's people were going to be taken away. Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. The temple was going to be destroyed. And they're going to be taken away for 70 years into Babylon. But God speaks. I'm going to show you how how much of a God of hope our God is. God speaks to Jeremiah even in the midst of the prediction of what's going to happen. And he gives us a verse of scripture that many of you love dearly. You just never knew the context of. And that verse of scripture is Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Why don't you read it together with me aloud and loudly. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Are you hearing that today? Okay. That no matter what your world looks like, okay. That God says, I want you to hear my voice, my voice in the middle of all this, my voice in the middle of what you're going through. I want you to hear my voice because I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and their plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Their plans to give you hope and you a future. 
God's voice brings hope. Number five, God's voice brings redemption and restoration. Redemption and restoration are two very powerful words, tremendously powerful words. They both communicate bringing back something that was lost. Redemption is to buy back something that's been taken into slavery. You redeem, you buy back out of bondage. Restoration is you fix, you bring back to health or to life. And our God is the God of redemption and the God of restoration. Let me tell you what the world is. The world is a world. The voices of the world are voices of shame and condemnation. Are you hearing me today? This is the message the world wants to speak. The world wants to shame you and condemn you. It wants to drag you, push you down, and keep you down and make you feel ashamed of your life and condemned as though there's no hope, no opportunities for your future. But God's voice always brings redemption and restoration. Listen to me today. You are never, please listen to me. This is for someone here today. You are never too far gone for God. Okay. I need to say that again. You are never too far gone for God. Okay. You're not hearing me. This is a word of the Lord to somebody today. Are you hearing it? Listen to me. I don't want you to clap. I want this to settle. And I don't, not that I'm rebuking you for your clap, but I just want it to settle deeply in your heart. You are never too far gone for God. Because when God speaks, his voice is able to redeem you from the pit. Okay. That's what it says in Psalm 103. He redeems me from the pit. Okay. No matter what pit you're in, the voice of God is able to redeem you, to buy you back from the pit and to restore your life 100% whole. That's the God that we serve. I have watched it time and time again. Just uh, uh, about this last week, I believe it was, my wife and I and our family celebrated our 36th year here at Church of the Redeemer. And I was thinking back over the history of 36 years of pastoring. We planted the church in 1986, and so uh, this was our 36th year. And I was thinking about all the history of the church and the people that have come through the doors of this church over the years. And I've watched so many people come through the doors of the church, and they were, had so much baggage in their life and they were so broken and they were so messed up but they knew that their only hope now was God and they they would come to church and came to church on a consistent basis and they begin to drink in the word of God they were lying down in the green pastures and drinking from the still waters of God's word and I watched them oh no not just in a couple of weeks or a couple of months but I watched them over the years and five years and 10 years, you know what God's word does? As you sit under the influence of God's word, it makes you whole, okay? It restores you and redeems your life from the pit. Take a look at a few examples of this in scripture. Mark chapter 2, verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to, I've not come to call the righteous, but Sinners. Anyone glad that Jesus said, I didn't come to call people who feel like they've got it all together. I came to help the people who knew they didn't have it all together, okay? See, the church is never meant to be a museum of a bunch of perfected saints. No, the church is meant to be a, a hospital for sinners, a place that sinners get whole and get well. That's what 
the church is all about. That's who Jesus is. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city of blind men. Bartimaeus, who's, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. So he's blind. He's a beggar. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, what? Ring his number. Call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Listen to what Jesus himself said. We know the verse that precedes this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You all know that verse of scripture, right? What we often don't know is verses 17 and 18. We don't understand the entire context. So following on verse 16, John 3, 16, here's verse 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't send his son here to condemn you, okay? But to save the world, to redeem, to restore the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. How I many of you can just take a moment with me and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. I got three more points. We're going to cover these really quickly. Number six. Am I on number six? I believe I am. Yes. God's voice also brings resurrection. Some things don't need to be redeemed or restored. They need to be brought back to life again because they're dead. Okay. And the voice of God is able to speak to dead things and bring them back to life. You perhaps know this story. In Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel the prophet is taken out to a valley filled with dry bones. And the Bible says, the hand of the Lord was on me. He brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. In other words, there are a bunch of dead bones all strewn throughout the, the valley, this dry valley. He ask me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy, that is speak my word. Let my word come out of your mouth to these bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Notice what this statement is. Hear the word. Hear the call of God. Hear the word of the Lord. And you can read the rest of that story. And the Bible says those bones started to rattle. And those bones started to come together again and sinews begin to connect and flesh begin to appear. And then God says, prophesy now to the wind. Let the wind come in. And this army rose up. They were dead, but they were alive again by the word of the Lord. If you feel dead today, there's one thing that can revive you and resurrect you. That's God's word in your life. For some of you, you're coming alive today because God's word is coming to you today. John chapter 11. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He called. He rang the number of a dead man. Are you with me today? 
He rang the number of a dead man. Jesus called a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. We're also awaiting another day when we will hear a call that will raise the dead. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. I preached about it a few weeks ago with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Dear believer, when they put you in the ground, you're not going to stay there forever. No, the dead in Christ will rise at the voice of the archangel and the coming of Jesus Christ once again. And the Bible says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. God's voice brings redemption and restoration and resurrection. And let me give you, as we're wrapping up today, these last two points, they go together. God's word is God's voice. You may be asking, hey, I want to hear God's voice. All those things sound really good to me. I'd like to experience all those things, but how do I hear God's voice? How can I hear? God made it easy. Right there it is. Come on. God said, I want to talk to you. Okay. How do you answer God's telephone call? You pick up your Bible and you read it. You pick up your Bible and you get into it. You begin to study the Word of God. That's every time you open the Bible, you're answering God's phone call. Okay. How many times has God called? Oh, I really should read my Bible. Send it to voicemail today. Oh, I really should read my Bible, study some today. I need a devotional thought. No, you know what? I'm going to skip that call today. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm here to tell you that there's a wonderful resource available to you. God's calling you all the time. He's ringing you all the time. His word is, is his will. His word is his voice. And remember something. We have to be very careful as to how we describe the voice of God. I hear people talking all the time. Well, God told me this and God told me that. Well, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. What I know for sure is this. This is God's voice. If you say that God spoke something to you and it's contrary to this book called the Bible in precept or in principle, then you didn't hear God. You're listening to the pizza you had last night, okay? Okay. Everything that you think God speaks to you needs to be able to be validated by this book called the Bible, either in the precepts, the commands of Scripture, the principles of Scripture. And if it doesn't fit here, it shouldn't fit here in your life. Amen? Because there's one final authority. God did some incredible things to get this book to us called the Bible. And there's only one sure fire way that I know of, of hearing and knowing God's voice. And that's by hearing and knowing his word. He never speaks anything that is contradictory or, in, or, or, or left out of, omitted from this book called the Bible. Look at Psalm 119, verse 105. Read it with me. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my, on my path. It doesn't say my word is a lamp or my feelings is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. God's word 
is God's voice. Here's my final point. And God's voice, that's his word, requires what? A response. You've got to respond to it. I'm going to give you four words here. How do you respond to the word of God, to the voice of God when he calls you through his word? Number one, you respond with faith. What he says, I believe. There's an old statement. If he said it, I believe it. That settles it. Okay? If he said it, I believe it. That settles it. Great little statement. It's more important to let it be real in your life. If God said it, it's true. Clarifies it. I don't care who else says it's not true. If God said it's true, God never lies. Okay? Never lied one time. Never will lie. He can't lie. He's truth. Okay? He is truth. So we respond with faith. Second of all, we respond when God gives you a promise through his word. You respond with not only faith, but also what else? Patience. Because we want stuff to happen yesterday. God says, I have a different timetable. I know when things are best to work out in your life. And so you've got to trust me not only that my word is to you, but my timing is best for you. And so we have faith. We respond with faith. Yes, God, do this in my life. I believe you're going to. But also with patience, I'm willing to wait on you. And then respond with faithfulness. Just do what you ought to be doing in the moment. While you're waiting on other things to be fulfilled in your life, don't get all upset about it. Don't try to make it happen. No, put yourself in a position of doing the best you can do with what God has put on your plate right now. Most of us are wanting something else than what's on our plate right now. God says, no, I gave you the plate that you have right now. Work with the plate that I've given you, and I'll make sure that the next plate comes to you when it's your time to receive it. But be faithful in what I've asked you to do in this moment. But faithfulness now leads to blessing later. I'm preaching good this morning, okay? <laughs> and then obedience, just do what it says. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. Take a look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Now it's required, not suggested, but required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Would you agree that when God gives you his word, he's given you a trust, correct? Okay. And then finally, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's where we leave today. That when God calls, respond with faith, respond with patience, respond with faithfulness, and respond with obedience. Answer the call of God when he rings your life. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word today. We're grateful for the opportunity we've had to study. We ask that you'll take something from the message today. Let it be real. Let it form substance, spiritual substance in our life for our future, our destiny, and our legacy. For that, we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that he will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of his name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. 
I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.